All right, welcome to Smash and Grab Comics. This is our first episode. I'm Tyler. I'm John, or JP, as uh, most people call me around Rainbow. So yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, we're excited to be here and talk comics and and um, do just kind of our own thing rather yep. than standard superhero stuff. We're gonna um, bring you kind of the dark verse of comics and like talk about edgy stuff and whatever we really want. Yep, I threw a couple superhero stuff in because I, yeah. you know I read some of that, but. The majority of stuff I read is independent, so. Yep. First off, I think we're going to start with Snot Girl. Ah. Uh, it's been going. Uh, I love this book. It's been going uh, six issues, but. They just came back from a hiatus. Yeah, it's taken a long time for them to uh, even get to this point. I was worried that uh, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley dropped it um, after issue five, but issue six just came out, and I uh, I wasn't disappointed. No, issue six has been fantastic. Started up a new storyline. Um, I highly recommend reading the first five, though. I don't think this is one you could jump in to issue six and have a good time with it. You'd be lost. Oh, yeah. Um, you'd have to read that first storyline, which is kind of a crutch, but it's good to see this one back. Yeah, I don't think you can just jump into any of the issues. Uh, first of all, you need to kind of understand why she's known as Snot Girl. Yeah. Uh <laughs> That title really draws people away because, like, you say it, and they're like, "What the hell are you talking about? Why it's, do you read that?" Like, yeah. especially since she has green hair. You know, <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. The, the main character. Her name is Lottie. Um, she's a she's a blogger, and uh, she's really up in her head about relationships she has with friends and things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I just really dig it. And this issue in particular, um, she discovered that. Uh, there's been a kind of a stalker that's been in the background the whole time. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely weird. It's such a mysterious comic. You never know really what's going on, what's real, what's not. But also there's um, such hilarity in it and such uh, good characterization of these um, archetypes of like fashion bloggers and um, millennials, I guess, if you would. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, yes, this is definitely um, a comic for you know millennials. Yeah, it's just funny. And it's odd and it's weird, but in such a good way, which I really like. And it's a pleasure to read every time. And um, I think there's a lot of potential there. I, I was nervous to pick it up because I'm like, is this, you know, is this more of a feminine comic book that I just wouldn't dig? Right. Um, but I got to say my favorite part is one of her friends shows up dressed up in a dress and then uh, has an eye patch on. <laughs> yeah. And they totally... Uh, take her out and they show that she actually has pink eye underneath yeah that, that's her way to accessorize yep. pink eyes wearing yep. a pink eye patch it's a pink eye patch so that was very creative um you know i haven't read any uh um brian lee o'malley stuff since um his uh series uh, now i'm just drawing a blank scott pilgrim scott pilgrim yeah scott pilgrim stuff yeah yep yep and i don't know if he's actually done anything else but i think that's his biggest thing and then i think it may be some minor projects here and there yeah but this is kind of his next big brainchild, and I really like it. I think this is a great uh, book that will have a cult following. Definitely. And it'll be talked about years later as like, oh, that Snack Girl run is crazy, like yeah. blah, blah, you know what I mean? I think it has good cult following potential. Right now, it's definitely one that's uh, a lot of people have maybe not heard about, but it's a really, really good book. So Yeah, and the, the great thing about it is it's early in the series, issue six. So Yeah, uh, the trade is out, and it's that introductory trade price, that nine ninety nine is crazy, is awesome. And if you're an issue collector, it really shouldn't be hard to pick up the first five issues. So. No, they're very accessible, very easy. Yep. Um, 
yeah, it, it's not an expensive book by any means either. Uh, I've seen number ones on eBay even go for like a couple bucks. Just oh, because really? I, I think people just don't understand it, and I yeah. think they're trying to just maybe just get rid of it out of their collection because they yep. just didn't really like it. Yep. But yeah, if you are looking for number ones and you can't find them at your local comic shop, um, eBay, it's like $2. I love and it. they do have image firsts reprints for a buck. Oh, they do? Yeah. Yep. That's, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, Image is in their you know twenty fifth year this year, so they're really pumping out all uh, all kinds of titles. Yes, um, just trying to hope something sticks. And honestly, I think about seventy five percent of them are good. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would one hundred percent wholeheartedly agree with you. Everything that they pump out is almost gold. Like, right? There's been rare misses from them, and I think it's just because they let their creators do whatever the hell they want. I'm just glad that it's not just all Spawn anymore, like, you know, yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah. No, and Spawn was huge, because, I mean, they had the toys and action figures and cartoons, and, I mean, Spawn was a marketing monster. Like, I, a marketing... I was about to pick up an issue of Spawn a while back, and then I was just like, it's probably going to be the same thing as it's always been. I honestly don't understand the resilience of Spawn. Like, why Spawn still sells today and why Spawn has such a resiliency to the ever-changing market. Like, no, I haven't read a Spawn comic since I was a kid. Me either. And I remember them back then, and they were, they weren't, they weren't great. They were just... They were just different. The story never changed, though. It no, was always no, no. him yeah. trying to uh, get back in contact with his wife. Yeah, and, and, and then run into like a giant murder machine, and then yep. they have a big fight, yep. and then cue next issue, and the same yep. thing happens. Exactly, and, yeah. I, I got bored. You know, <laughs> yeah. after, after I, I probably read it for like 50 issues, and I was like, well, this isn't going now anywhere. We, we might be hating on Spawn a little bit, but I, I don't understand his resiliency. To, no. I mean, he still sells books today. It's nuts. Yeah. It's it, crazy. Yeah, it definitely is. Um so going from Snot Girl, which is tons of fun. Yes. We're going to get a little creepy. with, uh, And we're heading over to Aftershock. They're a great uh, indie label. Oh, man. And I, they've been I putting out company. so much stuff lately. Um, so what do you think of Baby Teeth? Um, well, first off, with Donny Cates, anything he has worked on this past year has been amazing. Uh, Donny Cates did Baby Teeth. Donny Cates did Redneck. And Donny Cates did um, God Country. Yeah. So all three complete home runs. I, I wish that God Country and Redneck had come out this week. Um, I know because uh, both of them were just great. If you didn't, you know, we could talk about it for a second. Yeah. Uh, God Country ended last week. It did. And then Redneck really amped up. Redneck is a book about Southern vampires. Oh, so cool. Yeah. It's like it's almost like. Uh, confederate lost boy vampires yes. kind of book yeah you know my wife she's a you know a vampire nut with the twilight stuff and yeah she's found other books that are similar to that that she reads online and i'm like you got to read redneck you know so uh i'm hoping to get her on that bandwagon because i would highly suggest it uh it, it's kind of tough right now because number one sold out super quick mm-hmm. number twos you can maybe get second printings of and number three you can get as you know that's fine I had to go to eBay and I went a little crazy. I bought, I bought like two ash cans and I bought uh, a gold foil cover, a silver foil cover. I went a little crazy on Redneck. I bought That's like, awesome. I probably bought eight or t- eight or ten copies of number ones. Like, my, I went all in on it. My number one is probably like the fifteenth pressing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I didn't really care. I just right, wanted right. the story. I never care about having the special, perf, you know. Yeah. original one so as long as i can read the story um and i can put it in my 
long box. Yep, I agree. Hobby. It's just a side hobby of mine. I like to collect some of the harder issues and just see what happens with them. You never know. Right. Yeah, Old I mean, Guard's another big one for me. Like I got all I got I probably bought five to ten of the gold cover gold foil covers which are one per store variants. So oh, I yeah. like those. I just really like those. They allure allure me too much. Right. Uh so you know, side note, pick up Redneck uh, if you want yeah. to. Um, and like you just said, Old Guard, another one that I wish it would have come out this week because it it's just a story that's just awesome. Yeah, it's that's the Highlander comic I've always wanted to read. Like, yeah. that's, that's yeah, awesome for stuff. For sure. It's the you dark know, humor. Yeah. You know, these people who are supposedly immortal, they're starting to die, you know. And, well, they weren't immortal. They're just, they've they long just, life. They just don't know when they're going to die is the thing. Yeah. It's the mystery. Like, the one lady's been around for six thousand years. You know? Yeah, and she doesn't ever know. She doesn't know, isn't going to know when her ticket's up until it's just over. She doesn't yeah. wake up from whatever accident or gunshot she gets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were actually talking about baby teeth. Yeah, we got off track, but that's what happens with uh, Donnie Cates. He gets he gets us spitballing and talking about his other stuff. But um, so this yeah. is issue number two. Uh, issue number one, like we were talking about off uh, air here is mostly just a setup issue there really wasn't a lot of action you weren't sure what's going on it was a teenage girl that had a baby um and her family is wanting to know who the dad is and she hasn't been real forthcoming about that yeah you know something's wrong in the first issue because she's recording um this message to her baby or to her child about that she's sorry that you know she couldn't be there and like um Everyone was after her. So you know something's wrong. And then it does end, and it's just like it kind of little. it asks more questions than it answers. But issue one is very exp, um, expositional, and issue two is utterly fantastic. Yeah, so. I read issue two this morning as I was trying to get ready for this show. Um, and I kind of laughed out loud when her sister asked, hey, who, who's the daddy? And she goes, it was an immaculate conception. I'm looking at the yeah. word balloon right now. And I'm just thinking, really, who is going to believe that? But honestly, as the issue went on, I'm thinking, holy crap, it's probably true. I think that's true. I think that's true The with this. If you don't know the overall idea of baby teeth, uh, the overall storyline is she's basically giving birth to the Antichrist. Like uh-huh. it's- <laughs> yeah, it's, and this baby is creepy. He is uh, creepy. He's got black eyes. And, uh, and, and the, you know, she's exhausted and I love it that the dad comes in and she thinks she's going to get chewed out by her dad. And instead he takes his grandson and lets her take a nap, you know? Yeah. There's such strong characters in here. And, um, I really like that. And that's like, that's a real big key from Donnie Kate's books is his, his character writing and everything that he does is so emotional. You know, right. God country is a very emotional book. Um, redneck of course is. Emotional, but on a different spectrum. Uh, different spectrum with the vampires, but they have they have such skewed personalities, and you know they're trying to just lay low and just be left alone. And this book, um, characters are just salt of the earth kind of people. You know, right. the dad or the grandpa in this book is really fantastic. You would want him as your grandfather, kind of thing. Oh yeah, he's and, just uh, he's, he looks just like typical all American, yeah. beefy dad. You know, uh, and newly grandfather and. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you know if this is a uh, ongoing or is this a uh, so far short run? So far, I don't know if this is going to be an ongoing or not. I really, really want this to be an ongoing because yeah. I think there's so much potential here. Midway through issue two, we learned there's a, like the, there's a secret society that's going to be hunting down her baby. Yep. And um, the the mother and main character in this book, she gives 
so many allusions to things that are going to happen, like hitmen and demon raccoons, and just that was crazy. Yeah, I'm just yeah, like what? And it's funny she just mentions it and then moves past it because it's it's cues for later yeah, on. Yeah, she goes, "Oh, we'll talk about that later." And that's what's the beauty about this book is there's lo- so much setup for later. I love how she's talking about it from the future, and yeah. and then and she'll mention something, and then go, "Oh, wait a minute, I, that's out of sequence." And yep. I'm like, damn it, I'll talk about it later. They give you they give you a little taste. And then they take it right away. So, yeah. Um, uh, a lot of potential in this book. And um, it ends crazy, too. I don't want to wreck the ending, but it's the super creepy ending. And um, maybe we can talk well, about it next week so give kind of a, our you know our listeners a week buffer. Sure. You so know, that if, way. if they want to pick it up, too. Yeah. And I'm not opposed to spoiling either, but we'll uh, – We'll wait till next week. Yeah, we'll try and give you like a week buffer. That way you can read it. If you haven't read it in a week, well, That's, sorry. Yeah, too bad. Out, so sad. You're out of luck. <laughs> you know, I speaking of um, longevity, I was really bummed that uh, God Country was just a five issue run. Uh, yeah, I was like, this could have gone on a long time, but they packed so much into each issue of um, the grandfather i can't think of his name i'm terrible with names but him going to go fight with his sword mm-hmm. and then it was just over you know he he won and get, threw the sword away and just went back to being grandpa you know? yeah and i think i think maybe it might have been um image comics just trying donny cates out and yeah. seeing if a book if he could if he could write a book and if his book would sell right and i think that that was kind of his test run with them yeah and like okay here's your thing um, do what you want with it. We'll see how it goes with five issues. Uh, so write it for five issues. Yeah. And then I think once they saw the, the success of God Country and yeah. he handed them Redneck, I think that will be like his series that he can go crazy on. Uh, this one as well. So. I love the double entendre of the title God Country because when I first saw it, I thought of, you know, wide open American prairie, right? Yeah. And now it's really literally is a, a God's country, you know? Yeah. And so that was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, such a great job by him. And um, it's nice to see Aftershock grab him um, to kind of flip the script and talk about a publisher. A year or two ago, you would have never known about Aftershock Comics. Never. No. You would have been like, what the hell is that? But yeah. now they're on the map. So. This last month um, is probably the first time I've read anything by Aftershock. And in the back of each issue, they have a list of upcoming stuff. Yep. And I'm like, okay, I got to check that out, check that out. Um, and just a little bit ago, I asked you about uh, um, Unholy... Unholy Grail. Unholy Grail. We'll talk about that one in a little bit, but that one was a miss for me. Okay. That one was a miss for me. Okay. Um, so what do you want to do, do? Should we jump to Rat Queens? Yeah, we can definitely jump to Rat Queens. Before we move on, um, a couple other ones from Aftershock. If you guys are wondering about Aftershock books and why they're so good, uh, Pestilence is really good. World Reader is really good. Oh, I love Jimmy's Bastards is great. Um, So, yeah, Aftershock books are really, really good. Um, Starting to become something that's tougher to find on eBay, but if you can, buy them up. Animosity is another great Aftershock book. American Monster. Uh, oh, that was is good. Their first actual published title, and um, they called the store. And actually, I talked to somebody from that. Oh, to see from, if you would stock it. Yeah, somebody from AfterShock, and they're like, "What can we do?" Yeah, and I was like, "Well, I take more freebies. You know, freebies are always great. You can hand that to people and get them into books." Um, but just kind of, it was nice to chat with them and chat with a publisher, and they were legitimately interested in what we wanted to do to help sell the books. And um, yeah, um, once I talked to them, though, I just jumped on um american monster and yeah. then i kind of started pushing that on people and yeah. letting them know about it and now everybody 
likes Aftershock books. I love it when I come in the store on Wednesdays for my books. You know, you're always like, you've got one or two titles <laughs> that you're like, Tyler, you have to you check this out. This. You've got to buy this. And then I go home and my wife's like, that stack is bigger than last week. What's <laughs> going on? Uh, she's got me on a comic budget, but yeah. I, I always exceed that. And uh, she just chuckles. You so. just say it's JP's fault. Be like, <laughs> I do. That bastard, I, I do. That bastard JP sold me on another book. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about Rat Queens, though. I'm very excited to talk sure. about that. You know, this is uh, volume two of Rat Queens, issue number four. Four, yep. Um, I love it. It's so witty. There's so many uh, sexual innuendos in it. Um, it's just, you know... Um, a hilarious D&D yeah, they, adventure. D&D with this female group, you know, yeah. and they, 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 they go to the bulletin board where jobs are posted for, for adventurers, yes. right? And in this one, uh, they, they ran into, uh, one of the girls in their group ran into her twin brother, yep. who is with another adventuring group. And with that, you know, some hijinks and hilarity ensued. Yeah, they're the Rat Queens, and her twin brother has a group called the Cat Kings. And it's, just, <laughs> it's just so funny and just stupid. stupid. <laughs> just straight up dumb. But um, the book is super well written, uh, very witty and very fun. Anytime somebody asks me about this book, I always say it's it's like Bridesmaids with D&D. Because yeah. the girls are just raunchy and funny. And they're gross. They yeah. are. They're uh, not your standard prissy uh, princesses or damsels in distress. I mean, these are badass chicks that love to drink beer and slay goblins and orcs and, and dragons and, and plunder. And have, you know, having sex. And, and <laughs> I, I love it. Um, and, you know... The uh, the authors they make up their own words. This is this one was done by Curtis Weeby, where he just makes up his own words instead of um, uh, you know like little person or whatever. Oh, we have sure. we have a character that is a midget, but what do they call her? Smidget. I think. There's a smidgens. There's smidgen. smidgens. Yeah. Smidgen. Yes. And she's just badass. She's got long blonde dreadlocks, and I mean she'll take anybody on. Yeah, she's like your little rogue character, and everybody's like kind of an archetype of a D and D character. You know, yep. you've got the dwarvish warrior, yep. and you've got the mysterious uh, necromancer, and you've got your healer. And then it's just it's so much fun, um, such a joy to read every bu- every month, and it's good to see the artist uh, from, uh, gosh, what's it called, the Lewis and Clark comic. Oh, I haven't read that. So oh, I'm not uh, sure. Well, his name is Owen Gini. Yeah, Gini? but I can't remember the name of the book right now. It's over on the over on the wall, but um, it's good to see him come over and do this book. Yes, yeah. he did a great job on that book, and then. Um, I do see. I do kind of wish the original artist was back from Volume One, but Volume Two doesn't miss a beat. Um, see, I missed out on Volume One, so I'm reading it in trade right yeah. now. And uh, you know, there's some characters that I miss from Volume One that are that are no longer in yeah, the group, no longer and, a part of the story. Yep, yep. the The artwork in this book reminds me a little bit of uh, God Shaper. Oh, for a, sure, a little bit, it's like uh, like the uh, hairdo of some of these people. Yes, that, absolutely. You know. Um, Manifest Destiny. That's what the book is called. Manifest uh, the Destiny. Lewis and Clark alternate history book. The this artist from on Rat Queens Volume Two is the same artist from Manifest Destiny. Okay. Okay. So and he did such a great job in that. Uh, it's good to see him on this. Okay, so. I'll have to check that out. See. Yeah, you would like that book too. Yeah, I love um, you know alternate history type stuff. So that one is super awesome. That's why I really like the Wonder Woman movie. You know? Yeah. I was just like, this is sweet. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um. 
So anyway, in this book, they think they're going to get through a passage in the cave by putting the gem they find into the elephant statue's forehead, and instead it just crumbles to the ground. <laughs> uh, so they still got through the passage, but, you know, it didn't move like you would expect it to slide to the side. I mean, it just disintegrated. Um, they find a treasure chest, which they think is going to help them on their journey, but instead this chest is a sentient being yeah it, it, it freaks out that they're trying to open it and it and it uh bites on and uh, chews them out and yells at them and in your regular D world this would be known as a mimic yeah and uh it's a it's a it's a creature that looks like a chest but is actually a voracious demon of some sort that would totally devour you if you tried to open it i hope this comes back because uh one of the lines i really loved was uh um I don't have page numbers, but literally right in the middle of the book. We can take you with us, Marcy. The chest is named Marcy. Chest is named Marcy. Yeah. You don't need to be alone down here anymore. And uh, the chest says, you're sweet, kid. Real fucking sweet. But I signed a contract. Surely you've served. Shh. Just go. Just go. Just go. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny to see like a mimic have feelings. It's it, like it's got a job. Like, yeah. I mean, it's so cliche, you know, and I, and of... Uh, uh, like a romance story, but yeah, yep, and it's such clever humor, so funny. Yeah. Um, ends on a weird note. I'm not sure what they're trying to do with this. Uh, um, they walk through this magic mirror, and they all end up somewhere else. Yeah, they all end up somewhere else. I'm thinking, if I had to kind of venture a guess, I'm thinking they all are going back to like their starting point before they met each other, like the Rat Queens, because that looks like. Uh, a young version of our smidgen yes, hero. It is. So, and, I mean, without the dreadlocks, short hair. Yeah. But it's definitely her because she recognizes Betty right away. Right. When and Betty arrives. I'm yeah. thinking they must or must have like gone back in time. This is them all meeting maybe for the first time. But we'll see what happens. Uh, With the rest of them. You know, it kind of gives a glimpse of where the rest of them went. But Yeah. But no. It's a tough wait for this book. I really love this book every time it comes out. And it's just, it's tough waiting for it for a month. It really is. Yeah. I wish this was a bi When it comes out, when it comes out, I'm like, sweet. Yeah. It's, yep. You know, it's just good for humor. You know, it's not, for me, it's not really one of those books where I'm going to, oh, I got to find out what happens next. It's one of those where I got to pick it up to, I, I want to just have a good laugh. Absolutely. It's with a book. Some, with some D&D kind of flavor. You exactly. Know? It's a book that I look forward to reading and I look forward to the fun adventure that that it brings. Such exactly. Another image title. It is. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, so you want to talk about uh, Unholy Grail? Unfortunately, I do. I had the displeasure of reading Unholy Grail. Uh-oh. I really wanted to like this book. This book was a little bit hyped for me just because uh, Aftershock has not done me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, it might be a little too early to tell on this book just because it is so all over the place. Uh, but Unholy Grail is uh, written by Colin Bunn. Um, the artist is Mirko Kolak. And he's got a weird style. Um, it's a gritty style, and when he does um, action scenes and when he does um, bloody gore, it sure. works. But when he tries to do things um, that are maybe ethereal or ghostly, yeah. it comes off unreadable. Like okay. um, There's a section in here where the Lady of the Lake comes out of the water, and there's something behind her, and it's, just, it's very illegible in terms of... Uh, a reader's eye like like look at this like what is that um, what is that supposed to be I, just some kind of monster coming up it looks, looks almost cthulhu like where but some of the tentacles are on the cheeks and not over the mouth i i don't know 
Yeah. Do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's very weird. It's Yeah, the art's not the best. You know, I came in here this evening um, into the comic shop to um, pick it up because I saw it on your list for conversation tonight. And I uh, kind of wanted to be in the know, but you're just like, yeah, it's not worth it. Don't do it. <laughs> Save your money on this one unless you're really like a hardcore maybe King Arthur fan. Um, there is a lot, you know. In a I lot might of- change my mind on an issue two because I'll read issue two just to just to see. But so, so you're going to keep going uh, at least I, through another issue. I think it'll be one that I grab off the shelf and I read real quick mm-hmm. and just to see rather than purchasing it because I do regret purchasing it. It's almost like one I, that I wish that you want I your could. Four bucks back. I do. I want my <laughs> four bucks back on this one uh, because when I was paging through it. Uh, they, they give a little sample of another book that Aftershock is doing, mm-hmm. and that takes up, God, I would say seven pages, and that kind of bums me out when the main story is cut short like that. Absolutely, and it's your standard thickness for a comic, too, and then the, most of the book, or a third of the fourth of the book, is taken up by a uh, special preview of a new storyline for an issue six of Alters, a comic I really don't care to read. No. So it's like, Alter- thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> as far as Aftershock go, when I took a peek at the altars um uh sample there it was a little too bright and cheery uh from the for the artwork anyway and i was like that's not what i want to read that's that's kind of the double-edged sword you have with uh smaller publishers like aftershock is aftershock is going to grab some great creators yeah. uh, early on like donny cates that was a, a really great and then their american monster was really good and a couple other ones jimmy's bastards is a great idea but the other thing is they have to work with some cheaper talent too, yeah. and that may not bring some of the creative juices that they want. But they still have to publish some books, you know, trying yeah. to make some money. Yeah, they got to get so, stuff out there. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be good with the bad on this, and um, I think this one falls into the bad section for now. <laughs> for I, right now, I really issue hate one to say it. Issue one didn't do it for you. No, uh, I, w- I really wanted um, a horror type King Arthur story, and what I got was a muddy mess it really just was not good the biggest highlight in this issue was an ad in the back for dark arc that looks cool i really like the. <laughs> i love the tentacles coming out right and the, yes. the demon looking uh creature this is also going to be uh, a book from aftershock written by colin bunn but dark arc is uh the tagline on it was noah's ark was but the first. So it could be just some dark, crazy um, alternate history of Noah's Ark mixed with a little Cthulhu stuff. Uh, that comes out in September, so it's a long wait. But seeing that at the end did get the bad taste out of my mouth from reading this From book. reading the issue. I was like, Dark Ark, that sounds like... That's a good name, that's, I think. Well, yeah, that's that's a good name, and it, it intrigues me. Intrigues me. Now, I'm going to shift gears. This is not yeah. the horror thing, but I'm a huge Daredevil fan. And, Agreed. Um, and I really liked in the last issue where he went on the stand against a known thug. In, Matt Murdock went as Daredevil. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't make him unmask himself. He was the secret informant yeah. for the for the uh, the lawyer. Yeah, for the right, case. right, right, right. And then so this is the aftermath of that. You know, uh, Wilson Fisk is pretty pissed. And it looks like as he's beating the body bag, he beats it so much it rips and blood comes out. Oh, jeez. So, so I was just like, okay, so they've got blood, you know, a body parts in there, you know? Yeah, or uh, just a person he was trying to punish. So, yeah, yeah. And, and it was great. Uh, he retained the lawyer that Tony Stark had. Uh, so he's planning on bringing, uh, suing uh, Daredevil to 
remove his mask. Remove his mask, yeah, because right, he can't because be the secret of informant. This this uh, idea that they're scared about is that all superheroes can then come into court and bring down the crime um, instead of just laying them on the doorstep of the cops and hoping for the best. Yeah, it's Matt Murdock's trying to legitimize the superheroes and make them more reliable sources yeah. and more have more power within modern day society and like have, you know, legal power yeah. rather than being vigilantes. Yeah, and I I don't really like that idea. Matt is such a um positive guy he thinks he can make you know everything the best and and sometimes he's just overshoots it you know and yeah and i'm like um i i, I wanted to be more like batman you know <laughs> i i think he could be way cooler i mean i'll stick with uh daredevil to the day i die but you know his his um vision for New York, especially Hell's Kitchen, uh, is just not going to happen. He cannot rid crime completely of Hell's Kitchen. I hear you. And I'm on the flip side of this. I like this story arc just because um, up until this point, we've been dealing with a lot of dark situations um, mm-hmm. in Matt Murdock and Daredevil's life. Uh, the last three or four issues was a Purple Man, and that was really brilliant. And then before that, we had that uh, mosaic or a muse guy. Yep. And he was nuts. He was probably one of the most original thing Marvel's done in a long time. Yep. And um, I I think it's fun to see it go into this courtroom drama. Yeah. Rather than just because if you if you keep doing the low level street fighting and things like that, it's going to get dull. Yeah. So I think we need to switch it to this courtroom drama stuff and um, just kind of shift away from some of his other standard crime fighting. You know, you brought up the Purple Children, and yeah. um, there's been some backlash about whether that was a decent way to, you know, Matt Murdock had let the world know his secret identity. In volume, I think it was three or two? Yeah. Volume two of Daredevil, I think he had become this world-renowned celebrity now yeah. because he, he a, revealed a himself. Tony yeah. Stark kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but the involvement of the Purple Children and that whole shebang kind of, uh, erase that, you know. How do you feel so, about it? I like it. I, I'd prefer Matt Murdock with a secret identity. Me too, 100%. And I think that was a great way to yeah. to um, give give people an explanation on why uh, he is Daredevil again and people don't know. Yeah. You know, I was a little bit sad when everybody knew it because it kind of takes away from the mystery. I, I love the mystery. I love who knows what, you know. Yeah, that and... Daredevil can't be Daredevil. The character can't be that character if everybody knows that Matt Murdock and Daredevil are the same person. Yeah. It's just, it's not the same, and that's why I didn't like that storyline right. in that run. Yeah. Because it, it got to celebrity for me. It yep. got to Iron Man for me. Yeah. Um, it's really nice to see them fix it and fix it in an intelligent way, um, which sometimes Marvel doesn't do, but they've treated this book with respect and. That's why, 100%, I'll always say it, this book, hands down, is probably one of the best in the Marvel's lineup. Yeah, for sure. And in this issue in particular, we found out that Jennifer can turn on her She-Hulk power at will. Yeah. Um, it's not just like when she's Bruce angry, Banner, yeah, right? Bruce. It's, it's, she, can, uh, she can just turn it on and take care of business and then go back to turn it off. normal self, right? Hopefully she invested in spandex. I know. <laughs> uh, when she goes back down, I, I am shocked that this tank top she was wearing is still on. The strap, <laughs> the strap is just barely hanging on to one shoulder. Uh, you know, uh, 
which I suppose they have to do. It's a Marvel comic, but indeed, yeah. Oh man, it was good. But I am really looking forward to the next issue. Uh, looks like we got more uh, Tombstone. Um, Another great character that doesn't get a whole lot of light, but can shine really well in this book. And that's again why this book is a premier book for Marvel and one of the best in their lineup because they don't screw with this book, you know, mm-hmm. I, and they don't do what they've been doing and shotgun blasting their books like. Uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I know. Uh, last year it was Black Panther, you know, Captain America. Oh, yeah. You know, they just, it just explodes and then you buy one book and all of a sudden you turn around there's six different books for that same character. I know. And, I, I, and there's going to be another Spider-Man coming out. I know. I can't stand it. No. I mean, and it's fine for Spidey fans. Go for it. I am but a Spidey me, fan, so for, for me, it's almost OCD that I have to buy them. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Man. That's too, it's. It's bad. It's bad on on Marvel's end to do that, and uh, I I really hope they stop doing that and just learn from what they're doing with Daredevil and some of the other books that they have. Because I think just you, having one core title and skip the side ones is the best way to go. You can do it. I mean, Daredevil does it, and it does it well. It's consistently good, and um, you don't have to worry about it. You know? Did you like the TV show? Absolutely loved TV. I did too. A hundred percent loved. I did show. too. I think they picked the best actor to play Matt Murdock. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't know. Is he really blind in real life? (laughs) (laughs) No, but funny story. Um, the guy who plays Daredevil, I think his name is Charlie Cox. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was going to be in the new star Wars movie. Okay. And they auditioned him and he read. Yeah. And the director was like, why aren't you looking at me? Because he got used to looking at, like, the wall or something. He just kind of look off to the side. Yeah, he got used to staring at one thing and reading lines because of Daredevil. So he lost his role in Star oh, Wars no. because of that. But he <laughs> says it's a blessing in disguise because he has more time to do Daredevil. Right. And he loves the character. And um, The show's on hiatus right now. They're going to start up the Punisher show. Yep. And then uh, Jessica Jones is still going, which I have yet to watch it. I would highly suggest um, Jessica Jones. Okay. Uh, there's some episodes that are meh, but the overall payoff for that show and David Tennant's performance as the Purple Man mm-hmm. is astoundingly good. Okay. Um, and you never, like, one episode you'll hate him, and then yeah. one episode you'll feel sorry for him, and one episode you'll like him, and then you just hate him again. It's it's nuts how many facets he that, has. That reminds me of Breaking Bad. You know, yeah, where, yeah. where oh, you're yeah. like, oh, I hate him. Yep. Oh, I like him again. Uh, I hate him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Walter White is one of those characters that you love to hate, and yep. then you hate to love, you know? Yep. And then The Purple Man is the same way in Jessica Jones. And um, if you watch Jessica Jones, you can almost skip Luke Cage. I hate to say that, but... Oh, I was not a fan of Luke Cage. I watched I, the first couple episodes, and... I got two I got two episodes in, and then just couldn't do it. I just, you know, you know, as far as a B-level character, you yeah. know, um, he's not one of the A-listers. No. I, I'm just... I'm not interested. You know? I could fix that show. All you do is just axe five episodes and okay. make it eight episodes long. Because, I mean, it's – or is it 12, 12 or 13 episodes? Like, I don't know. I can't waste 12 hours like, I know. on that. Maybe eight. I can yep. waste eight hours on that and be fine. Yeah. 12 hours, 13 hours, no way. And so, so I'm I'm interested to see if the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe includes the things from the show – the shows into their movies or vice versa. They did a little bit in Daredevil when they refer to the incident that happened in um, New York. Yeah, in, like in the, New York, the alien yeah, invasion. The alien invasion. Yeah, I think they will just keep it at that. I think it'll be just mentions. 
mm-hmm. and things behind happening behind closed curtains and dark shadows and just yep. and just references. Yeah. Rather than full on Daredevil shows up in the Marvel universe, you know, like Daredevil shows up in an Iron Man movie or Iron Man shows up in Daredevil TV show. That's good. I, that's the way they should the way it should be. You know, and that's one of the things I love about Daredevil. He doesn't get in, involved in anybody's adventures rarely. He's just really just centralized to Hell's Kitchen. Well, he deals problem. He deals with problems in his backyard, and he knows he's no good elsewhere. Right, because he he knows there's no reason to go beyond that yep. because he's useless in those in those other places. Yep. You know when it when it comes to things like that, and uh, if Iron Man showed up in the Daredevil TV show, yeah. Well. Now you no longer care about Daredevil because Iron Man was just there, and you'd be like, "What's Iron Man doing? What's right, he right. here? I want to watch, I that. watch that." Yeah. So it would. I think it would wreck the show, and I think it would wreck the characters uh, in the movies because in the movies, I think they'd be useless too. I mean, they're going to fight Thanos. Yep. What can Daredevil do to Thanos? Nothing. 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 Zero. Yeah. <laughs> so I yep. think it would be a waste. Yep. Leave it to references. Leave it to um, fun Easter eggs, and yeah. let the fans. Google it and figure out the connections themselves. Yeah. And Marvel will have a, a much better time and success. What do you think if we do a, a special episode when the new Spider-Man comes out? Um, just reviewing that movie because... Well, it came out yesterday. Oh, like, it did? Today is... It, today, uh, yesterday, Friday, was the premiere. Oh, I thought it was next week. No. Well, anyway. Um, <laughs> shoot. I'm off. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, That's okay. But... Um, are they going to make that part of the, the Marvel Universe? I never really understood whether Fox still owned that or not. That is definitely something that's weird. Um, there's so many intricacies to it. Yeah. They're like they're letting Marvel borrow Spider-Man okay. for the time being. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go see the movie this upcoming Tuesday, and mm-hmm. then we can talk about it. Sure. Um, no problem with that. I didn't go the opening weekend because there's so many movies coming out this month that yeah. – it is expensive. So. I, I, well, now that I know that it's out, I'm going to try to see it tomorrow. So, so I'm going to see it this upcoming open. Tuesday, and then next, we can talk about it next talk week. Talk about next week. Um, but really what I think uh, Sony and Fox are trying to do with, with Spider-Man with the announcement of Venom yeah. is I think they're going to make their own rated R dark Marvel-verse with Venom so. and build it around Spider-Man villains. That would be sweet. And I don't even think you'll see Spider-Man in those movies. I think Spider-Man will exist in that realm. Right. But you're not going to see Spider-Man swinging through and saving the day in a Venom movie. It's yeah. going to be Venom versus Carnage, and it's going to be brutal and terrifying. And then they're going to do Silver Sable, and then they're going to do Black Cat. Yep. And Black Cat can play off as a sexy spy heist movie, uh, you know, a la Ant-Man without all the fun. Right. And then Silver Sable can be your assassin movie like Blade, you know, and, and yep. Deadpool. Yep. And I think that's what they want to build, and I think that's what they have. And I think that's what they're going to move forward with without Spider-Man. Okay. I think they'll honestly just give Spider-Man to Marvel. That would be great because um, during the Maximum Carnage days back when I was in high school, um, I loved it. I loved Carnage, all the blood and gore and venom. Yep. And Spider-Man just brought this happy-go-lucky, oh, gee, how am I going to fix this problem? And and it was a weird combo, you know. It's it's almost too yin and yang. Uh-huh. You can be you can be too black and white, yep. and those things are way too black and white. Yep. Uh, Venom is such a vile, gross, disgusting character, and he's. It, it, is it still Flash Thompson? They now he's Flash Thompson again. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I kind of was bummed when that happened. I love Eddie Brock. Yep. Um, and I was bummed that oh he's a good guy now. What? Yeah, I think the only. Good guy Venom that I liked was uh, Agent Venom because it wasn't a full on like 
good guy thing. Mm-hmm. It was you can wear the suit for you can wear the symbiote for X amount of time. If you yeah. wear it any second longer, it takes over, it take over. and you're screwed. Yeah. So I really like that Agent Venom storyline, and yeah. that's my favorite. Like Venom as a hero or anti-hero was the Agent Venom because it wasn't something that where Venom was a cho- made a choice to be good. Yeah. It was. You can use it for good, but only for a certain amount of time before it's got to go back into stasis. Okay. So that if you seek out the Agent Venom storyline, that's really good stuff. Yeah, I'm kind of steering clear of older Spider-Man stuff. You know, like like yeah. the the point of this podcast. You know, we're gonna try and do the darker, grittier stuff. You know, nope, so absolutely, absolutely, and that's kind of what this podcast is about, um, for sure. Yeah, we went off on quite a tangent there on uh, other with, stuff with Daredevil. What's, yeah, you Daredevil launched into all of the sorts of stuff. I know. So, <laughs> so I'm going to skip Batman because that's you know very much um, more superhero stuff. But but just a quick synopsis. Yeah. Riddler and Joker are at a war with each other because they both want to kill Batman and they don't want to give the uh, satisfaction to the other one to get it done. And so it takes place. Okay, we remember a few weeks ago, Bruce um, proposed to Selena Kyle. And she's yet to say she, yes. She has not answered. I think she'll say no. But they're in bed together, and Bruce is telling her this story of when Riddler and Joker went to war. Yeah. And so, honestly, that that's the whole story. That sets that up. That sets that whole up. It, it basically is them just holding off on letting you know if, if Catwoman said yes to his proposal. Yeah. So, it's their side story to the main story. Yeah. Which is fine. Yep. But, uh... We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see it, but it's kind of I don't know, boring. I guess not. <laughs> I don't I don't know. You know, I love both characters. Anticlimactic. I love the artwork of Riddler. I've never. Have you seen this? Yes. Uh, the, you know, he's got this slick back hair. He's super cool. He's got these mutton chops going on, and I I don't know. He's just suave. He's never looked cooler than he does in this. Uh, yeah. New Fifty Two does some good work, yeah. um, uh, but it's hard to beat. Uh, anything Greg Capullo touches is amazing for New 52 stuff. I love stuff. Greg Capullo. And that, that um, year one um, Batman run from New 52, or zero year, excuse me, mm-hmm. zero year run from New 52 is actually pretty dang stunning for a Riddler story. Um, and, you know, it's great in real life. Greg Capullo it does not look anything like you think he would. No. He does not look like a comic book guy Mm-mm. i mean he's big and burly handlebar mustache yep and, uh, he looks he, like the lead he, singer of a of a, a hard rock metal band yeah he looks like he'd beat the crap out of you yeah you know? All right, so yeah greg i would not mess with greg pulo he would jack you up yeah so. but so, that's batman batman's pretty self-explanatory it's yeah. usually going to be good um i'm never worried about a batman comic not being good you know when the rebirth um storyline or i guess not storyline but the dc relaunch of rebirth yeah. I was not enjoying it right off the bat. I thought Detective Comics was really dragging with the it's a team book and it was really getting old. I really like the story though of um Batwoman and her father. You know, oh, for that, sure. that kind and of back and forth. Had a great dynamic. I'm on the flip side. I really enjoyed the first six issues of Rebirth. Yeah. And then I kind of just it, it came out a little too much, and then I'm reading other stuff, so mm-hmm. I kind of just lost track, and I can get back to it because sure. Batman is something you can always find on the shelf. Yep. But uh, the first six issues I thought were really strong, and I liked the um, um, the whole metaphor of that character Gotham. Yeah. And like Batman killing Gotham. And yeah. He was like this kind of pseudo Superman. Yep. But his since his name was Gotham, and Batman literally killed him. Yep. It was a great 
metaphor to Batman killing the city and the city maybe killing Batman. And, like, it's cool, like, this cool balance of I love what, is the, what happens to the city without Batman or what happens to Batman without the city kind of thing. Right, and Gotham. then Gotham Girl, Gotham's yep. sister, you know, she kind of had this episode of insanity because mm-hmm. her brother and partner is gone. Um, I don't even know if she's still in, in the story. She's not. Uh, they kind of threw her aside, which is a little disheartening because she was a cool character yeah. and I think she could be she could be making DC money. Uh, I think you you could put out a Gotham Girl book and yeah. people would buy it. Well, what so. do you what do you think of this uh, new non Robin sidekick that Batman's got? I think you need to stop. With I that. hate his colors. You know, bright yellow, a little bit of black in there, and a I'm just ugly. Yeah, <laughs> you is. need to stop. Duke, you, that's his name. I can't yeah. think of his. I can't think of his alter ego name, but yeah, his name's Duke, and honestly, I don't care. To, don't care to know too much about him because first, I don't. I'm not invested in who he is. No. And second, I'm really tired of Batman getting just throwaway side characters yep. that he works with for a few issues. And then when DC decides to be done with those guys, they just especially, throw them away. Especially like Tim Drake. Everyone thinks he's dead. Right. But, but he's, he's gone somewhere. Thing. Yeah. Yep. With the whole Watchmen thing that uh, this Mr. Oz guy. Uh-huh. I think that's Ozymandias from oh, Watchmen. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's – I think you'd have to be stupid not to know. I mean, yeah, Dr. Manhattan is – obviously involved yeah you know and so it 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 makes sense yeah and um talking about recent batman stuff the strongest stuff from this recent batman run and this whole watchman thing and a rebirth thing um was the the button did you Uh read that loved it oh man that was so good yeah and so it was four issues uh and it was consumable and each issue was great yeah and each issue featured the characters in strong ways yep and then ended on a note where you're just like I am satisfied. Yep. I want more, and I can't wait for the Superman. When Doomsday they come thing. back around, yeah. Well, they're going to do this Superman Doomsday thing, and it's a great play on words for the Doomsday Clock and Watchmen and, and Doomsday and the character. Yep, yeah. Doomsday is the bad guy from Superman. I, you know, I love the the two issues of that four. Two of them were Flash. Two were Batman. Yeah, um, and I, I loved those two as uh, partners. They work really well together. They're like you could tell they're they're really good old friends. Yep. Like milk and honey, baby. Yeah. Yeah, great, just cool detective work, and they're both into the science of detecting and, yep. um, you know, being in the uh, crime scene. And um, it's cool when the art shifts just because it's two different teams. Yep. But it's 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 jarring in the fact that it's fun. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I can't wait to read The Flash and see how they represent Batman. And then you go back to Batman and see how they write the, or they draw The Flash. And it's just really cool and contrasting ideas. Uh, that all worked together into uh, one of the best four-issue runs of a recent comic I've seen in a long time. For sure. Yep. All right. So what do you think about Sacred, Cre- what is it? Sacred, Sacred Creatures? Sacred Creatures. Now. I did not pick this up. So This is one I haven't gotten to yet, but I wanted to talk about it because not only is it new issue number one, but I think this will be something special. Uh, it's four ninety nine for the price tag. Uh, but it's it is giant. I look. I'm seeing it right now. It is it is like a huge. double double issue almost. This is going to be a big big book, and I think Image knows that, and that's why they threw this giant book together for five dollars. So very excited to read it. Very excited to take it home and delve into it. Um, it seems like it's going to be a cool vampire book. Yeah. But then again, like I had like I said, I haven't uh, had time to delve into it, but I just wanted to talk about it. 
Um, because if you're out there looking for something new, I think this is going to be the surprise of the month, Sacred Creatures, issue number one. Uh, it's giant. It's a giant comic, and it seems to have a lot of story. And there's a lot of characters here, and um, I think this is going to be a, a surprise book. Yeah. Also, it's out by Image. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love right now is for people trying to get into comic books because of the huge comic book movies that are out. Um, Image is doing a great job of giving people jumping on points. Not only that, but giving us original ideas and original stories that aren't something you've ever read before. And like, that's why I think image is uh, succeeding in not only monthly sales, but also with new books because they, they grab new readers attentions. You know, there's a reason saga and there's a reason Walking Dead sell over a million copies a month. Right. I'm surprised that Invincible is still going on as a as a superhero kind of book, you know. It's going to end here soon. Oh, is it? I think uh, I think the last issue is either coming out or just came out not too long ago. But I, Robert Kirkman has put that one to bed. Yeah, he's busy. <laughs> and Well, and I heard there's going to be either a movie or a TV show with that. Oh, so, right. okay. Um, we'll see what happens with that. I think it would work better as a TV show than a movie because, I mean, they went for quite a long time yeah you know they definitely did i wonder if fans are going to like it being it's so superman like um, yeah but then again with robert kirkman he's got such a dark sense of humor and uh it's a very very a, weird book a lot of it took place outside of earth so that yeah so that has that going for it you know yeah you got to be careful with that people could be comparing it to green lantern and all that mm. so you got to worry about that so we'll see um but yeah uh image books are just stellar. Uh, this, I think, will follow suit. Again, this is co- kind of just a, a precognition because I haven't read it. Yeah. But with this thick of a book and the buzz I've heard around this book already, uh, I think it's going to be a surefire win for sure. So pick this book up if you can. Uh, we sold through plenty of copies here on the shelf um, at the shop, and uh, it'll be one that will be tough to find eventually. All right. You know, I uh, saw your list earlier today that you sent me, and I was surprised you didn't have Rock Candy Mountain on it. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. I absolutely love the first three issues. Or, so. it, have you uh, stopped reading it or you just didn't buy it? I think it? I just didn't buy it this week. Just um, I had a lot on my plate, and um, yeah, I just didn't get it. Uh, written by Kyle Starks and Chris Schweizer, if I pronounce that right, doing um, Schweizer. Schweizer. <laughs> was written and drawn by Kyle Starks and, and colored by Chris, Chris Pfizer. Um, so basically, uh, it's a hobo book. Yes, you know? it is. So it's, it's talking about the, the hobo life. Yep. And uh, the main character, he's trying to find this um, mythological mountain. Yeah, you know, Rock Candy Mountain. Rock Candy Mountain. And along the way, you know, a business type guy um, ends up as his little sidekick. Uh, but in this issue, uh, do you want me to spoil it for you? Keep, do, do it, man. Okay. I'll read it. I'll read it. It's not a big deal. Well, just as just before the train's going to get boarded by cops, uh, they bundle up their all their belongings like watches and stuff and chuck it into the trees so they can come back later. Come back and pick it up. Yep. So they get arrested. Um, the whole process is really quick. They get arrested. Uh, they go to court, and they're in prison. Um, within within these one page like four fr- yeah. yeah four frames and that's the then, great thing about this book the art moves so quick and it's yep. it's so uh, legible and readable you know what's happening and it's fun. yeah it's not it's not like some books where you're just like okay what who is that what's going on unholy grail yeah is like that where okay. you can't un- you can't understand what's happening but sorry to interrupt no that's fine uh so 
um, the main um, drifter, he had told the business like guy, I can never remember names. Uh, <laughs> and he told him, uh, hey, tell the cops your name is John Doe. And so, so they can get in there and they won't have any record on him because they tossed their wallets and all that out. Um, but in the very next frame, the business guy is bald. And uh, he says, uh, Slim, what happened to you? And he said, they said I had lice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he goes, how can I have lice but not you? And he goes, I told you, I don't fuck with bugs. <laughs> I just love that. I love that line as if lice care. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the whole point of getting in jail is so they can get their uh, buddy out whose name is Big Sis. And he is a huge burly man with one arm and he, uh, busts them out of prison, uh, so he can have his friend back. Um, and, uh, they have, they have a falling out. Uh, Slim decides to hit the road on his own and, uh, the main, uh, character, he doesn't really know what to do. Uh, so it kind of ended with that and him and, uh, big sis go on their way and Slim goes his way. We'll just kind of have to see what happens with this adventure of Rock Candy Mountain. Yeah. it's This has been a really fun adventure, and um, I do regret not picking it up this week, but I will get it. Sure. Um, the first three issues are so surprising and so fun. Um, the art style is very simplistic, but it comes at such an adult way. Yeah. Um, the story is very adult, but the art is you, – you think this is for – toddlers or, yeah, or I mean, five-year-olds it know? looks like it's uh like calvin and hobbs like you know what i mean it's, oh, it yeah. looks like even it, younger you know yeah it looks like something like that it's it's just funny um but the situations in this book i think are more hilarious because of the simple art style uh-huh. and because it looks like it's more childish in terms of the art style yeah um i think the situations are are funnier yeah or more funny Yep, and so the book ends where they're going to meet up with a guy they know um, that's going to help them find their way to um, Rock Candy Mountain. The fabled Rock Candy Mountain, baby. Yeah. As soon as that guy gets off the train, though, his name is 100 Cat. Uh, (laughs) The names in this book are fantastic. And so someone calls him out, 100 Cat, and he turns around and goes, what up, girl? You a fan of the cat? And then (laughs) turns out she is not. She is with the FBI. Um, and uh, okay. she's, uh, looking for, um, and what is the main character's name? It oh, is, gosh. It's been forever since I read the first three. Anyway, she's looking, she's for, looking for, she's looking hope. for him. She's for, looking for our, our main hobo. hobo. Yep. And so, uh, that's how the issue ends. Have you seen this man? And, uh, it's unfortunate for our main hobo because, uh, that's who he's supposed to meet up with. Um, this book is just great because. You never think that a book about hobo life would be interesting. You know? <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, you would just think, like, how would living on the road and just, like, not smelling good and, yep. uh, you know, bagging up your stuff and hopping on trains be cool. But they managed to make this cool and fun, and uh, it's, I, it's such a human book. It's so fun. Yeah, I would suggest to anybody looking for something just a good time read uh, Rock Candy Mountain. For Rock sure. Candy Mountain is absolutely hysterical and uh, sad that I didn't pick up this issue, but totally, totally will. I, I hope this is an ongoing. I don't think it is, though. I think this is going to be a six. Six? Six to 12 is what I've heard rumors. Okay. I, I'm hoping for 12, but then again, comic sales is kind of what ruins uh, minis. You know, yeah. um, if the sales start to drop, they'll axe it and they'll put it and end it at six if the sales are good. 
they'll make it to 12. So who's, who knows? The good thing about that, though, is it's a complete story, beginning, middle, end, and it, it's a nice little package when they're the minis, you know? Yep, absolutely. Uh, and then you can also wait for it a trade. Um, and then and then you don't have to spend so much money in the trade. You can get it within one or two books, you know? Well, that and uh, Image does a great thing. Um, Marvel and DC don't do this, which they should. But Image, when they put out a trade paperback, mm-hmm. it's the volume one. If they do a volume two, it's going to be nine ninety nine because it's they want you to buy it and they want you to get into it. And then volume two is probably going to be fourteen to sixteen bucks. Okay. But volume one is always going to be ten bucks. That's awesome. It's their introductory trade price. You're trying something new for ten dollars. Okay. If you didn't like it, I can think of worse ways to to, to waste ten dollars. So right, exactly. <laughs> and I, I've been feeling lately that you can't go wrong with an Image story. No, you really can't. Uh, Image is killing it in every single way, shape, and form. Um, we talk about it so much, but it's true. I mean, I call a duck a duck. It's just everything they do has been good. Yeah, so for yeah. sure. Worth worth buying an Image number one. If you see it on the wall, buy it and read it. It's generally, nine times out of ten, going to be a smash hit. Right. Uh, from Boom Comics, again, I was surprised you didn't have this, was Skyborn. I've actually never read any of it. So. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, Frank Cho is just awesome. No? Uh, I love Frank Cho's artwork. Yeah, it's superb. And it's about um, a guy that he um, acquires Excalibur. The, oh, sweet. The fabled sword. Yeah. It's a modern-day story, and there's modern um, people after the sword. And... Um, the as main, there should be. As the the main bad guy is Merlin. And, and uh, he's after Excalibur then, huh? He's after Excalibur. And so they he releases dragons and all kinds of fabled monsters to um, take him out. Uh, it, this book is just ridiculous with all of the um, mythological stuff going on in modern day. We got modern day like kind of evil businessmen trying to stop. Uh, Excalibur um, from getting in Merlin's hands, and uh, one of the scenes that I wanted to bring up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, prepare yourself. So, 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 if you're listening to this and you have children, uh, earmuffs. But um, the guys that are going after Merlin, they come around the corner to make sure that there's no no one going to be firing at them, and they witness a centaur fucking a <laughs> a unicorn. Uh, the, the, it's hilarious because then there is over, oh. over, uh, the genitalia is a orange bar that says censored. So the editorial staff can keep their jobs. Indeed. And so I love it because the centaur is, you know, grabbing him by the horn and the, and the, and the mane of the unicorn and just going to He's town. He's just going to town. It's, it's, you know, when I saw that, I had just, I burst out laughing, called my wife over to show her this and she goes you're disgusting you i yeah she goes that is gross well hey hey you wonder how centaurs are made well there you go uh, <laughs> there you go uh so yeah this is this whole issue is just basically a big monster uh killing spree sweet uh, there's nothing wrong with that no and so at the end of the book though um we do um come face to face with merlin and yeah we'll see where it goes next month this is going to be wrapping up, though, on issue five, correct? Yep. Okay. This is it. I actually didn't know the storyline on this, but this sounds so much fun. Uh, Skyborn sounds like what I wanted Unholy Grail to be. Yeah. Unholy Grail was so disappointing. I hate that I keep bringing it up, but save your money, kids. Yeah. God, that was a bad book. This is um, not very serious, but yet 
it, it is. It's a Frank Chill fantasy. It, it's I got mean, it's got a a little bit of comedy in it. Yeah. Well, Frank, a lot of comedy with the with the artwork and stuff yeah. like that. But the storyline is just you know it's a a myth. It's a King Arthur story. Yeah. But today, you know. Right. And so. Um, a modern day action with medieval touch. Right, right, right. No, I like that. And Frank Cho, um, he's been doing more and more um, stuff that's a little bit more out of his comfort zone from just drawing beautiful ladies mm-hmm. and just oh, oogly books. There's a beautiful lady in here. Oh, I'm sure there's beautiful ladies she, in it. She was thought dead, so they kept her in the cooler. Uh, but then as soon as she she somehow became revived and she came out of the cooler – and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's she's, classic right, Frank Cho. Here's here's uh, her reaction. All right, which bastard stuck me in this meat locker? <laughs> and where are my damn clothes? <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, big titty girl. It, it's definitely Frank Cho. Yeah, but uh, what I mean is like I'm glad to see him do more action with his taste and flavor, uh, throwing the beautiful ladies in rather than just a beautiful lady book for the sake of being a beautiful lady book. Yeah, uh, Liberty Meadows is exactly that. If anybody's read that, it's just it's a comedy, but with just bucks and women. And it's yep. just kind of a an oogly book, is yep. all. Definitely, which there's a market for. Yeah, but I like this. Yeah, I definitely want to read that now for sure, hundred percent. You yeah. sold me on it. Yeah, so you can uh, get it in trade. I'm sure very shortly, as soon as next month's issue comes out. But uh, you know, going through it issue by issue, it's just been one of those that I've. Really look forward look to forward just to, to see for sure how how Excalibur is where is it going to go because it keeps getting stolen from one person to the next you know yeah so yeah that's part of the fun of comics man yep especially these comics you know we uh, talked about earlier with uh, us reading more mature books and I think that's we get such more much more enjoyment out of these books than your standard superhero affairs that's been mm-hmm. around forever there's nothing wrong with it but. I see it shifting in mm-hmm. terms of good storylines, quality storylines, uh, quality artists. Because if you have any right mind and in, in you're a comic creator or you're an artist right. and you are in right state of mind, you have no reason to work for Marvel or DC. No, you don't have to. You, first, you don't have to. And second, anything you create would be stolen or just taken by them. Yeah. There's no reason for you to create something new for Marvel or DC image will let you own your own thing and yep. you get all the toy rights. You get all the movie rights. You get all the TV rights. You T-shirts, get everything yeah. merchandise. Yep. That's why we see quality stories and quality work coming from image and aftershock and these smaller publishers because creators are let loose and just they're not under time crunches and they're not under, um, you know, contracts to tell other people's stories. They're the stories they want to tell um, with no filter. I mean, right. look, Frank Cho just got away with a centaur fucking a unicorn. Right. It was awesome. <laughs> and it was yeah. awesome. I just, you know, I feel bad because these big name artists and writers, they come in and they have to work on a Marvel book. Uh, maybe they got to work on Spider-Man and it's not their character and they just have to adhere to what the storyline has already been hashed out. And I feel like that would just be such a waste of their talent. And I think it is too. And I think that's maybe why you don't see some of the quality work you used to. It's just because I think some of those artists and writers are burned out, you know? Um, And again, you know, there's always a a flip side to the story. Um, I'm sure it's fantastic working at Marvel and DC. Yeah. It would be a dream come true to work. It's a steady job. Yeah, it would be a dream come true to work at those places. But me personally, 
and just where I'm at and what I like to read. There's so much more originality, so much more fun to be had in comics yeah. by reading stuff uh, from Image, Aftershock, and Boom Studios. Boom Studios have been doing a great job. You know, yeah. they did uh, God Shaper, you know, which I, is one of the weirdest comics I've ever read. Oh, so much for fun. sure. You know, I kind of miss Vertigo. Um, they were doing some good stuff, even though owned 100%. by DC. I but miss Vertigo entirely. I wish they wouldn't have integrated into DC. Um, it, Constantine was a much better story before now. It's a DC story. Yeah, Vertigo is one of those rare things that I don't think we'll see happen again. Um, just for the fact of how mature the story's got. You oh, know, yeah. Preacher. Yep. You know, uh, uh, Transmetropolitan. Right, I'm rereading Sandman right now, going, God, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah, I mean, the early days of Vertigo was revolutionary for yeah. that reason of yeah. being so different, dark. And so out there, yeah, and uh, such a, a dark alley behind the, the the DC mansion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I just I wish that we could see that again from DC and Marvel. We see shades of it here and there. You yeah. know, we get Frank Miller's dark dystopian verse with yeah. the Batman or the Dark Knight uh, Returns saga. Yeah. And you get I can't Marvel. believe that's still going. <laughs> I, I wish it was just the one book. Yeah. And honestly, if you are getting, if you have no idea what the Dark Knight Returns is, read the Dark Knight Returns, skip the Dark Knight Strikes Again. Yes. And then just go straight to DK3. Number three. DK3, Dark Knight 3. Yeah. Uh, DK2 was really bad. I so. couldn't get through it. I, nope. I bought it, and I'm like, nope. I can't even read this. This is, you know, nine-panel grid, and it's all news, you know, talking heads. Yeah. Um, talking, and, you know, Dark Knight Returns was sort of like that, but, but not as bad. But it was reined bad. in. Yeah. It was just to advance the story and just kind of give you an idea of the satirical situations that's going on in, in our society and things. And it's a dated book, too. It was written in the 80s. Right. So you, when you when you read that book, you have to read it with a grain of salt because it was in the eighties. Same thing with Watchmen, you know. Yeah, uh, I love Watchmen, and it's kind of my go-to book. Alan Moore um, is kind of pissed that they're that they're integrating that into the DC universe. Honestly, but. I'm okay with it, and Alan Moore can shut his mouth because if he wanted any stake in it, he should have said something years ago. Yeah, he's kind of crazy. So oh, he's batshit. You know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, he looks like just like a dirty old man. He you know looks I mean? like a wizard. Like, yeah. And I think he I think he thinks he is one. Yeah. Uh, I think anything he writes, he thinks is just gold. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of it is good there's, stuff. But there's truth to it. I mean, the dude shits gold bricks when it yeah. turns to writing. Sometimes, yeah. Um, but I think if he wants any stake in this or say in it, uh, he's long missed that boat. For sure. So I think he should just be quiet and uh, be happy with what he is, what he's done yeah. and what he's written, and uh, look back on it and say I've written some of the greatest Superman stories of all time. And yes. Some of the you know because there's some Superman stories that are untouchable. Those were great. You know when he's got does he? That's kind of the opposite of what we were saying because he was reined in by DC for these Superman stories, and it was awesome. You but know? they were dark, but not to a point where. Um, it was depressing. Right. They were dark and more of just a human element and mm-hmm. brought the character to a grounded sense. Right. Um, you know, like the, the storyline where uh, Mongol puts that flower on him. Yeah. That, that uh, it, it makes him think he's in this uh, perfect world, this dream world. Yeah. Um, really great storyline they actually brought into the Supergirl TV show. Um, oh, they did? I, I haven't started watching that yet. I didn't. I haven't. I haven't seen the show, but they did bring that into the into the show, and then um, used it uh, 
as one of the storylines. So they kind of used the archetype okay. of that comic for the show, and they even brought the flower in, and okay. you can see it. It's it was a big prop that they used. Okay, but that was straight out of the pages of that book and that storyline. So that was really good, and I think uh, I think they should they could make that into a movie, and it would stand alone as itself. So. That would be awesome to have that in the DCU movie franchise because Batman versus Superman went down but now wonder woman's bringing it up and i hope that they just keep going up i i actually think you can fix the dc movies in a big way by scrapping half of it and keeping half of it you keep wonder woman Mm -hmm. you keep aquaman really yeah you keep superman it looks like a viking you know i know aquaman with the big beard i know hair but when we talk about when we talk about what sells jason momoa sells yeah because women like Jason Momoa. Yep. And he does bring a badass quality to Aquaman. Yeah. Not necessarily the Aquaman I want to see, but from a marketing standpoint, he's going to sell you movies and tickets. He's going to put butts in seats. So you keep Wonder Woman. Yep. You keep Aquaman. You keep Superman. What about Jared Leto? I mean, do you keep the Joker as is? You scrap all of it. I mean, because I was so bummed when with Suicide Squad because the Joker is so integral to the stories that then they brought this totally left field Joker that I don't think has the sustainability. Yeah, you scrap the rest of it. Yeah. You get rid of Batman, you get rid of Flash, and you scrap the Suicide Squad stuff, and you bring in the DC multiverse, and you give people a reason why Wonder Woman, Superman, and Aquaman look the same, and Batman, Flash, Joker, and everybody else look different. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, different they're jumping universe. into a uni- different universe yeah. that needs their help. They have to stay there. It's different Batman. What about Arrow? I mean, have you been watching Arrow lately? And that's where you can mess with that, too. Bring the multiverse in. They've done it in the CD, uh, the CW shows. Yep. Supergirl exists in a different Earth. Yeah. She can talk to Flash because he can jump into their world. Yeah, he can. Yep. Arrow can talk to them, too. Because yeah. they all jump to, you know, uh, and they've they've made this... Completely possible with this uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yep. They're time hopping, universe jumping heroes or anti heroes, if you will, on yeah. some of them. But they they make the DC multiverse work, and the the, the movies don't don't, but could they yeah. can make it work. You I, can keep your Wonder Woman and keep your Superman and Aquaman. Yeah, get rid of Batman. Ben Affleck doesn't want to do it. It's a guarantee he's done. Oh after, really? I didn't, after I didn't hear that. After the solo Batman movie, I heard he's out. Oh. And I think it's just the bad taste of being shit on yeah. from not only DC but the fans. And, and that's, then, un- that's unfortunate because I, I think he did a decent job at playing Batman. It's I think the just, pressure was too much. But the script and the storyline was stupid. Yeah, he's asked to do really dumb, nonsensical things. Yeah. And he's asked not to be Batman. Yeah, He's asked to be a masked vigilante murderer. Yeah. And that's not what Batman is. And I think it... It, it really ticked him off as yep. a filmmaker, as an actor. Yep. Um, you should have just started from the front and just get, gave Ben Affleck 100% creative control and work with some writers and come up with a script that's awesome. And, I mean, the dude has gold, you know, gold statues on his shelf. He has Oscars on his shelf yep. at home for directing yeah. and writing screenplays. Yeah. like. And, and give him not only give that, him control. He has a Bruce Wayne look to him. Yeah, I, that's what I love about him. Uh, and Christian Bale did too. But uh, I don't, Ben Affleck, he, he just looks like you know. Uh, I don't give a shit, Playboy guy. You know, 
that and um, he brings. I don't know. He's there's a there's a, a like a graveliness to his his uh, his Bruce Wayne. Yep. And uh, I think he had such potential, but I don't think we'll ever see it. We'll see what holds the, the in, the, solo. in the solo movie. Yeah. But I, if I had to bet money on it, yeah, I guarantee that ba- that uh, Ben Affleck would be out is going to be out. Yep. Because I think he's just tired of the way DC handles things yep. and the way that it works around there, yeah. and that they don't have a direction. They're a sail. They're a boat in a foggy lake. And they have no idea where, where the, to go. Where the shore is. It's just they they, they desperately want to keep up with Marvel because Marvel is just pumping their movies out. But that's the thing. That's the difference. Marvel had a game plan from day one. Once they got their rights to the movies. Yep. Um, they had a game plan from day one. Yep. And the overall goal at the top of the mountain was Avengers Infinity War. That's where they wanted to be. And they started with Iron Man. It did well. They start. They moved on to Thor. Did yep. well, and they Iron moved Man on. And they, and they started to just build and build and build. And then Kevin Feige, um, he knows what's going on, yep. and it's all laid out. It's all. It's a ten-year plan. It took ten years to get the Avengers, and it's awesome. You know what I wish though, with my Blu-ray collection. So I kind of forget what order they go in. Uh, so I wish they would have just put on the bottom like Numbers. a little numbering system. So One, like, two, three. So I know that okay, Thor comes after this, and then and then we've got Avengers, yeah. and then we've got Captain America or Captain America first. But uh, they kind of did the, the there's like. Um they did those like phase one, phase two, phase three yeah. box sets, yep. which yep. came with like artifacts and things from like like yep. the first, phase one came with like the tesseract, yep. like replica. Phase two came with uh, the uh, infinity uh, gem in the ball from Guardians. Yeah, but yeah, that's the huge difference between Marvel and DC. Is uh, Marvel's had this game plan since day one, yep. and they know where they wanted to go, and that they just add building blocks to the house that they're trying to create. And DC has got. Well, the, just this did, weird the draw, is weird the, mess. The parent company, Disney, has um, has it down pat. They know yeah. how to get things done. Yeah. Look at Star Wars, you know. Yep. Um, and then I'm worried. I'm worried for Han Solo. I'm worried and not worried. Well, he wants to be done. You know, um, I don't think Harrison Ford wants to continue to play. I don't think part. he. I don't think. Well, I think we'll see Harrison Ford as maybe some like some flashbacks in the new episodes. Yeah. But uh, in terms of the young Han Solo movie, yeah, that thing's in trouble. Oh, okay. So see, I didn't know how much they were going to have um, Harrison in it. Harrison's not going to be a part of it at all. Oh, okay. I don't uh, know if they're going to CGI him in or. Nope, they're not going to do anything. It's young Han Solo, and it's kind of a shit show right now for that because they lost. They they fired their two directors. They say it's creative differences, and they say they left willingly, but let's be honest, Disney fired them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't like the vision. I heard uh, it's the same director. We, this is really weird. Okay, the story goes they wanted to make a young Han Solo movie. They hired the directors of 21 Jump Street. Ooh. Why? These guys make comedies. Yeah. And they came in, and they wanted to make a comedy, and I heard uh, rumors on set where the guy who was playing Han Solo, uh, he was the one who reached out to some of the executives and was like, you guys got to come down here and see this shit. Like, yeah. This isn't cool. This is weird. I feel weird. And they were comparing his performance to Jim Carrey in uh, Ace Ventura. Oh, They said no. it was playing zany and weird. And uh, the rumor is, again, all hearsay that 
the guy who was playing Han Solo actually brought it to Disney execs' attention that, hey, you guys need to get down here and fix this. Like, something's bad. Have you read the Han Solo series that the in the book series that came out you know i think they're canon um uh anything that's done by marvel is official canon there's a new thing coming out like the star wars adventures which is going to be not only like a youtube thing but a comic thing these are about 20 years old so oh that's not canon anymore so they wiped that oh that's too bad because it was good it talked about how he met chewbacca Mm -hmm. it talked about you know how he went on the kessel run i mean all these things that uh, were talked about in the original star wars movies like Oh, that's the that's where it happened, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, Disney wiped that, but I think that's a good idea on their part is because then they can kind of pick and choose what's good from that and what's bad from that yeah. and then wipe the bad stuff and keep the good stuff. Right. Like if you watch Star Wars Rebels, um, which is a Disney XD show, but yep. super dull. I mean, very – yeah. I mean, they're murdering people in that show. Like people die. And then uh, they brought they brought uh, Darth Maul into it, and they brought uh, a fan favorite uh, Admiral Thrawn into it. But that's official canon on their part, and that's yeah. Disney picking and choosing the things that are great, and then wiping away the rest, um, and clean slating it. Yeah. Uh, overall, though, uh, what's going on with the Han Solo is they hired Ron Howard. Yeah. They fired those other two guys. Yeah. They got they got Ron Howard in, and I think Ron Howard will piece together a watchable movie hopefully <laughs> well i think we've uh, kind of gone off the rails a little bit yes we um, talked a lot but um i think we got a um an angle we want to go for with this show in the future uh like we said we're going to go for kind of the non-superhero stuff so please tune in next week i'm hoping to have these shows out every monday yeah that um, sounds great i think uh, it'll be fun to mix in just books and movies and yeah, talk tangents and exactly I we'll bring in some special guests yeah for sure uh i tried to get our friend brian in on it he <laughs> he is a he is a um such a critic and um just a bah humbug guy he's jumped off he, he's gone off the deep end in terms of books i think he's been disillusioned over the years so. sure yep and so i you know i'd like him on just just for that fact the devil's advocate to oh go, yeah just to say this is shit what are you talking about yeah i think that'd be great yeah absolutely we'll see if we can get him on sometime but yeah yeah thanks so much for tuning in guys yep. um we'll do it next week and uh i've been jp all right and i'm tyler thanks guys <laughs>